This is BC Worldwide, a podcast of overseas instruction and counseling. We report on the biblical counseling movement around the world. I am your host, Andrew Rogers. It was Poland in the summer of 1999, and God pricked my heart for the need for pastors in Poland. They were wrestling with drunkenness among their community and their congregations, but they didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to turn or how to help their people. Now, by this time, I had been in pastoral ministry for five years. I was blessed to have started in a church ministry led by a conviction of the sufficiency of God's Word, the importance of sanctification, and genuine care for others. I had received training. I was receiving training, and I was growing in confidence and competency in the use of God's Word. The training was accessible. But who was training the pastors in Poland? For that matter, who was training the pastors, not only in Poland, but the rest of the world outside of the United States? My drive and determination to train trainers in biblical counseling derived from these two experiences. My exposure to pastoral ministry outside of the United States and my experience as a pastor in the States. For the next three episodes, I will highlight three men who God used to shape my understanding of pastoral ministry and biblical counseling, and how that understanding inflames my passion and the mission of OIC to strengthen churches worldwide through biblical counseling training. Hi, this is Andrew Rogers. I have the privilege of serving as a pastor at Kindred Community Church, Anaheim Hills, California, and also as executive director for overseas instruction and counseling. And uh, I got saved around uh, my junior year in high school. I was attending a church as a non-believer. It was the first church I ever went to. I had never set foot in the church. And uh, listened to the word be preached and got ministered to by the people of that church for about 18 months before God saved me. And uh, as a result, I was born right into a church that believed in the sufficiency of God's word and God's resources for life's problems and give the solutions that were all founded there. So I have this wonderful privilege. I don't know a church. I've never been in a church. I've never experienced a church that did not believe that. And so I've been privileged by that. And as a result, I was committed to that in ministry. And six years later, I'm in full-time ministry and, and serving at the church where I got saved and uh, had the opportunity then to continue my education and training. And so what we have here today is a representation of God's grace in my life in putting at least three men uh, into my life to help shape and form my thinking about ministry, pastoral ministry, and the care of people, and how to make use of God's Word in helping people's lives. And so who we have here today to discuss and talk about what is biblical counseling, what's unique about it, what is its purpose and goal, who should be doing it, where should it be done, um, are three men that God has used in my life immensely. And so one is Pastor Bob Somerville, who's Dr. Bob Somerville, uh, but was my pastor for many years. And then I had the privilege of serving with him for eight years as one of his pastors. And so he certainly shaped much of my life. Uh, he also helped me see how goofy he can be. Uh, so I, I saw that part of him that I never saw in the pulpit, per se. Um, so that was striking at times. Um, Stuart Scott, Dr. Stuart Scott here, I was introduced through the Masters University when I started the MABC program. And he was somewhat of a savior uh, because uh, the very first week of our program, we were kind of the guinea pigs because the program was on a semester base, but then we started the summer intensive program. And uh, so Dr. Wayne Mack started that program, 
And if you know anything about him, to say he's a workhorse would be an understatement. And to say that he works people like that would also be an understatement. And so we were worked to the bone that first week. And Dr. Stuart Scott came in to teach in the second week, looked at all of us, pretty much like The Walking Dead. Uh, and uh, he said, wow, what are you guys doing? And he was our savior. So immediately, my affection for him uh, was, was, was definitely there. And so he's, uh, he and I have had the privilege of being friends from that time on. It was 1998, I think, so about 23 years. And so and we've had plenty of wonderful conversations and time together. And then one year later after the program, Dr. John Street came and replaced Dr. Mack overseeing the MABC program. And uh, so my introduction to Dr. Street was he came in to teach a hermeneutics class, and, uh, but didn't have his own notes. He had to come in and use somebody else's notes, and boy, he worked through it. He did as best as he could. He did a really good job. Um, and since then, he's developed his own, uh, but yeah. uh, no, but has done a great job. And, and with all these three men, uh, God has certainly used you guys to impact my life. And so I thought, no better way to talk about what is biblical counseling than to invite you guys to come in for a discussion yeah. and talk about that. So. so with that in mind, uh, I think the, the first question is just what is biblical counseling. And I, I think about anything we discuss, uh, Psalm 1 is certainly a reminder that blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinner, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And then he's like a tree planted by those streams of water and bears much fruit. So um, what I've really appreciated about as we talk about this is you men have throughout your lives been committed to that, just being planted by the streams of water, delighting yourself, meditating on God's word day in and day out so that we might inform, even as we think about that question uh, from God's word. So, um, Stuart, do you mind just getting us started there? And Yeah, uh, what is biblical counseling? Yeah. Uh, when I think of the great commission that the Lord gave to the disciples, uh, it was to go and proclaim the gospel that people would respond to it, be saved, right? That he would draw to himself and then baptize them and then teach them to observe all that I've commanded, Jesus said. And I think when we think of biblical counseling, it's just that. I mean, when I'm meeting with people, I'm going over the gospel with them. I just want to make sure that they're, they're in Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it's getting to know the Lord uh, as he's revealed through scripture. And then know what scripture says, addressing real issues in their life, right? And it could be sin issues, it could be suffering, uh, trials. But how to observe the scriptures in their lives and practically mm -hmm. apply them that they might grow in their love for the Lord and love for other people. That's kind of a, you know, as I'm thinking of the Great Commission, it's, yeah. it's not just teaching people, it's teaching them to live it out. And that's the private ministry of the word. We have the public preaching, but we have the private ministry of the word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does it have to be more complicated than that? <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't want to be it's simple, yeah. but it's not simplistic. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's I think a good point. Um, we all would agree with that that it, now we unpack all that. Right. What does all of that mean? Yeah. And all in the context of the local church and the sufficiency of scripture and we, we unpack it, but it's not real complicated but it's challenging yeah right we need the Lord's help to do uh, this kind of ministry yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. Uh, 
I would <clears throat> simply add to that in the sense of what is the purpose of the Christian life? As we are going in, in the gospel, presenting the gospel, we become a believer. And Paul says in Romans, it's uh, to be conformed to the image of Christ. Mm -hmm. And then how do I grow in that image? And what is the purpose then of the ministry? Paul says, my job in Colossians 1 is to present every man mature in Christ. Mm -hmm. And then in Ephesians 4, Paul says again, the pastor teacher equips the saints to be mature in Christ and then that they might grow putting those things into practice. Mm -hmm. And so that biblical counseling is really that simple, but not simplistic at all because as we study the first Timothy passage, the scripture is sufficient for uh, <clears throat> everything we need to know, and then for reproof, everything we need to avoid, and then for correction, how to set the ship on the right track, and then it actually trains us in righteousness. Mm -hmm. And so as I simply learn the scripture, how does this teach me to be like Christ? And I have to look at him, and then I have to <clears throat> see how to what do I need to know what do I need to put off what do I need to put on mm -hmm. and let the word of God as I ask God to actually change my life I love the way Jesus made it really so simple if you abide in me and my words abide in you mm -hmm. you ask according to my word and I'm going to do it yeah. and then in John who was listening that night he writes First John and he says you know, this is the confidence that we have. If we ask anything according to his will, we know that he's heard us and that he will answer. And so if, if we can teach people, as you begin to observe the truth, what does the scripture say to put off? What does it say to put on? And then let his word seep into your life and ask him to change you according to his word. And therefore it becomes... Simple. I had one lady say, is it this simple? Mm -hmm. uh, I can do this, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and I can ask God to change my heart according to his word. And, and yes, of course, now the disciplining yourself under God and this gets difficult in yeah. practicing that out mm -hmm. through our lives. Yeah, good. John, they both, uh, well, Stuart talked about observing, uh, and then Bob talked about uh, the image of God issue. Mm -hmm. And and so and then we talk about change, mm -hmm. but there's a sense that you know obviously like even before I became a believer I didn't think I needed to change. Mm -hmm. I mean I thought my life was perfect, right? <laughs> to a certain extent, the gospel kind of messed me up. I mean just because it revealed yeah. to me that wow things are not what you thought it was. So yeah. so we're coming in with with this. It's, it is about biblical change. So the importance maybe just speak to a little bit about the importance of the image of God. Mm -hmm. and, and changing into that, just, just the importance of that for all people. Yeah. When a person becomes a Christian, it's very, very obvious that um, the gospel has radically transformed their life inside and out. And their whole life is headed in a brand new trajectory mm -hmm. that is to honor and please and glorify Christ and everything that they can do. Mm -hmm. However, they realize that um, even though they have that great ambition, they're far from what they really need to be. Mm. And sometimes I like to illustrate it, and this is what we call in theology progressive sanctification. All right, mm -hmm. 
Sometimes I like to illustrate it by the fact that imagine that you're walking through the woods in the middle of the night and, um, and it has recently rained and you've fallen and into a mud puddle and you're covered from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet mm. and you get out of that mud puddle, which is analogous to really coming out of the dirt of this world, and you're, you're still covered and you're wiping things off as you go, you know, and way off in the distance you can see a light and it's a light to a cabin and you start walking towards that light all right. Well, as you're walking towards that light, this mud is drying and you're wiping it off and mm. it's drying and you're wiping it off and you're drying and all this. So the closer you get to the light, you're a lot more cleaner than you were when you first came and got out of that mud puddle. Yeah. All right. But the closer you get to that light, the more you realize this particular point, how dirty you really are. And that's that's the Christian walk. All right. And this is exactly what. Proverbs says, progressive sanctification. Proverbs 4.18 talks about the fact that the, the walk of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the mm. full day. Mm. That's exactly the way it is. Because the closer we get to the, the light, the more we realize how sinful we are. Th this is what biblical counseling does. It helps to direct you to deal with those issues, the, the mud that's covering you, so to speak. When Of course, we're using it as a metaphor for sinfulness that still clings to us that's part of this earthly life and and, th and that's the the idea I, I think one you know your first question about what is biblical counseling um that that's a that is a continuing um even to this day issue that's really been debated hmm. all right and it's becoming more and more complex in answering it because back probably in the late 1960s early 1970s when, biblical, when there was a revival of biblical counseling, what I'd like to refer to, now we're getting back to the first century church finally, mm. you know, in terms of using the word of God on a private level. Yeah. Well, since then, there has been, I, I remember back in those days, is what we call uh, integrationism, which was a, a means by which you take uh, Christianity and you try to integrate it with psychology. And actually, the Roman Catholics were the first to, to do that. They were first to try to do this back in the late 1800s to integrate this too. But that was going on at that particular time. And, and integrationists who were Christians, quote unquote, trying to take psychology and, and blend the word of God together at that particular time were the type of people who disdained the idea of biblical counseling, mm. right? They disdained it. Now we have a neo-integrationist today, which... This particular person, um, now the old person, the, the old integrationist, hated the term biblical counseling because it was a real threat to what they were doing. Mm. But the neo-integrationist, now the difference between the two is that they love the term biblical counseling, but they're still doing the same integrationist process. Okay. And so now what oftentimes is referred to as biblical counseling to a lot of people means, well, you use the Bible occasionally in your counseling. You pray occasionally. You, you talk about truth occasionally in your counseling. That's biblical counseling to them. Well, cults do that. Mm. All right, cults do that. Same, th same thing. Yeah. They use the Bible. They pray. They talk about truth. But that's not what really makes biblical counseling. What makes biblical counseling is where you're taking the truth of the Word of God and you're marching through it contextually the way it was given 
in an expositional way, that is, explaining the truth that is really given and then applying it to the life of that person in that situation. That's radically different than proof texting and grabbing yeah. a bunch of things. So I would, you, I, at least what you just said, the occasional aspect, then the biblical counseling really, in its essence, the unique aspect of that then would be the actual, maybe not necessarily exclusive use, but a very prominent, absolute prominent use of God's Word. Not occasional, yes. but this is actually what drives our counseling ministry. Yeah, that's a, a, accurate yeah. use. So it's not yeah, that's a good clarification. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Because a lot of counselors will pick and choose verses and they're, they're not properly handled, they're not properly interpreted. Mm-hmm. So it's an accurate use yeah. of the Scriptures. Yeah, that's good. Could, could I add one illustration of that? Mm-hmm. The, the woman comes in, the counselee, with the problem is, I have a critical spirit. So in the context of Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is talking about biblical change, that we have to put off the old man and put on the new man. So you can take her to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, and you can show her, the word of God says, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, mm-hmm. but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it might minister grace. And you can teach her from that one verse, this is what God wants you to put off, your critical spirit, these unwholesome words. Now he wants you to put on uh, an a, a attitude of being appraising and edifying, and he wants you to think about doing that at the right moment, the timing of your words. And he even wants you to minister grace with your words, when they don't deserve a kind word because they've just maybe cussed you out, you're going to give them a gracious word. Yeah. And so you're teaching her in the context of what the Bible says about biblical change, at the specific answer, I mean, uh, illustration that Paul gave. So I think that, and that's what the, uh, the, the fullness of God's word, here's the lady that comes in with this critical spirit and she doesn't know what to do. And actually, she's the same lady who came back the next week and said, this is simple. I can do this with any area of my life. Yeah. If I find out what God wants me to do to change, I can do this myself. Yeah. And it, um, she's the only lady that ever caught it that quick. But, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's so practical. Yeah. And then, of course, we're doing that, not in our own strength, but we're trusting the Spirit of God to work in us. Yeah. And in Ephesians 3.20... He says he can do more through his spirit working in the inner man than you can ask or even think Yeah, to yeah. give us hope there. But, Stuart, you mentioned in the beginning about uh, a, somewhat of a distinction between the sinner and sufferer mm-hmm. and that we're going to minister to both mm-hmm. and, the, and the gospel and the word of God is sufficient for both. Mm-hmm. And then in Bob's illustration, you know, you have a woman who comes in and could come in, though, with a different goal in mind. Um, you need to minister to my suffering. I have people in my life who treat me this way, this way, this way, this way, and this way, and now, but you're presenting me with a way to respond to it. So that's a choice that has to be made um, in the sense that she could come in, I want relief. Mm -hmm. Um, And and there's a little bit of that going on, I would say even today, would you say, in the sense of kind of like a misunderstanding of the purpose Mm -hmm. of what our counseling's for, that while relief comes, but we also recognize that relief does also come with addressing sin issues. Mm-hmm. And there's somewhat a growing trend right now to come like somewhat separate the two. Yeah. Like suffering's over here, but dealing with sin is over here. Yeah. 
So can you speak to that? I, I think maybe we just speak to the purpose of biblical counseling when we come alongside people. Right. And we, we see various passages that, I mean, ever since Genesis 3, uh, since all have sinned and come short of the glory mm-hmm. of God, that all sinners suffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we suffer at our own choices. We suffer at other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all sinners suffer. Mm-hmm. And all sufferers, and I'm talking about human beings other than Jesus. Yeah. All sufferers end up sinning at some point. Maybe not at first. I mean, in the life of Job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but later on, he wanted to take God to court. Yeah. So you find all sinners suffer, all sufferers will sin at some point. And so we're just coming alongside. I don't even know what's going on in a person's life until you gather sufficient data of their personal being, their context, their history, what's all happening there, and then say, what is the need of the moment? So like in the Thessalonian church, Paul said to the unruly, they need admonition. To the faint-hearted, they need encouragement. Mm -hmm. And to the weak, they need help. Mm -hmm. But be patient with all of them. And I I think my mind's not even made up at all when I first meet with someone, I don't even know what the issue is. I, yeah. I don't want to answer something before I've heard it. And so I, might, I come in first with a lot of encouragement and hope. Uh, they're, they're suffering, but in, in the midst of that, wherever uh, they display what they're thinking and doing, and it doesn't measure up to scripture, we want to help correct them uh, yeah. with patience and gentleness. It may be repent, uh, if it's sin-related, right? Repent and faith in Christ. And if it's suffering, they need lots of hope and encouragement mm-hmm. to persevere. So that, uh, but I, I know there's a trend today to move away from sin and everything becomes suffering now. Yeah. And I see it even in, quote, biblical counseling uh, circles. If you're going to talk about sin and repentance and faith, we don't want to, but we want to talk about all of the like eating disorders and everything as trials and suffering. I'm going, no, these are heart worship issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it's clearly uh, an omission or commission of God's word, I mean, breaking it, it's sin. And, these re- and there's hope and grace. There's repentance and faith. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just seeing a, a tendency to shy away from sin and that we have the gospel and Christ and hope and mercy and forgiveness. But let's not talk about sin. Let's just talk about suffering. And uh, the major theme in Scripture is sin and repentance and faith and grace and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Another theme running through Scripture is suffering, but it's not on the same level as sin. Yeah. And I think we would all agree the purpose of biblical counseling is not just to make everybody's life as hard and as difficult and as painful as possible. Right. right. I mean, that's that's not what we're going after. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, okay. So we, we're thinking about the purpose of biblical counseling. Again, we talked about progressive sanctification. We've talked about faithfully addressing the circumstances of life in a way that's going to bring honor and glory to the Lord. Because there's the other side of that. There's a, a lot of warnings that if we don't do that, and if we walk astray from that, we're going to suffer immensely. And, and matter of fact, the word says that the misery will be manifold. Mm-hmm. I mean, it will multiply over time mm-hmm. in intensity and frequency if we continue walking away from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the author of Hebrews, mm-hmm. right, has such a pastoral heart in that. 
right. not wanting any of us to go astray and to lose sight of that. This is BC Worldwide, a podcast of overseas instruction and counseling. You can learn more about the biblical counseling movement around the world at bcworldwide.org. If you'd like to know more about the ministry of OIC, go to our website, discoveroic.org. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you'd like to receive regular updates on God's grace through biblical counseling, please sign up to be an OIC insider by clicking the pray button on our website. Lastly, will you consider giving? Giving to the efforts of OIC to train biblical counseling trainers around the world? If so, you can give electronically through our website by clicking the Give button. Well, I'll share with you more about God's grace next time at BC Worldwide.